It's time for Loud Pipes. The podcast that brings you the best conversations relating to motorcycles, the riding experience, and other motoring adventures. Here are your hosts for this episode, Rich Warfield and John Maracle. Pipes 124. We're going to be talking some motocross racing, probably a little bit about some electric motorcycles as well. And we'll catch up with John and see if he's come down from low earth orbit. <laughs> no Rico tonight. He is off in Europe somewhere and I've sort of lost track of where he is at this point, but we will have a beverage for him in a moment. So we'll start with spider silk. What's up, Johnny John? Not much, my friend. I got some riding in. It was a beautiful weekend. Indeed, it was. It was. Yeah, finally got nice around here. The rain went away. The snow went away. Now, is it nice enough to have a beverage, or are you having some sweet tea? No, no, I'm having a day blazer tonight. Oh, another day blazer. Those are good. Yeah, yeah, man. That's a good one. What What are you partaking on? Well, I didn't get to ride today, so Ooh-hoo. I would be riding tonight, but... We're doing a show, so hey, there it is. <laughs> yeah. That's worth a patron or two, isn't it? Just to give up my riding? Yeah, it is. They they enjoy it. Uh, no beer for me tonight. I'm still still partaking, but hey, hey, hey. no no beer. No, not, not a beer, not a beer. Whoa, 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 whoa. Doesn't happen often. Once what in a while. What's wrong with you? No, I just I decided to have a little red wine. Got my favorite. My favorite red, it's a classic California red table wine. It's nothing real fancy. It's from uh, Coppola, Francis Ford Coppola Wineries, and it's called Rosa, or Rosso, R-O-S-S-O. Lovely little wine. Vintage 2014, just easy to drink. Well, that's good to hear. Mm-hmm. So, so who we got on tap for tonight? Well, I understand, John, you have found someone who's done a little motocross racing. I have, and it's uh, it's the the salesman that sold my bike or uh, my spider, the newest one, um, uh, Joey Mitchell from Sporters. Um, while we're sitting around today talking about the buying the spider and all the things, we got talking about the podcast, and he says, "I'd sure love to come on the show." <laughs> I didn't even ask. I'm like, "Okay, sweet, awesome." So yeah, Joey, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. It's a pleasure being on here. Not a problem. I'm a big fan of podcasts in general. I listen to a, quite a few of them, and I'm, I'm proud to be on one. Very nice. First one, then? This is my first one. Nice. It gets easier from here. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And you have a beverage as well? I do. I'm sipping on a little uh, Captain and Coke, my, my go-to drink. Perfect fill-in for Rico. It's one of his yeah, favorites. That's what he usually drinks. <laughs> How about that? Yeah, when he's not on beer, it's usually some kind of rum and coke. Yeah, can't go wrong there. Yeah. Very nice. Well, let's jump right into the new topic. Our new topic is mainly going to be Joey as our guest, but it's a little more specific than that because he is a 
is and was is or was a motor motocross racer you still doing it was um i plan to jump jump back into it this year um might run a few races some uh some of the night races okay and that i work on saturdays good thing the races start at like seven o'clock so get might be able to run a few of them <laughs> yeah get the day job done and go out and have some fun nice so yeah we thought it'd be a little different pace for us to get in the dirt a little bit talk about some dirt racing and and since joey also works at the dealership he's ridden a bunch of interesting bikes including uh, some of the newest stuff from Alto, so we're we're excited to hear about that, especially with our Harley electric fetish with the live wire, mm-hmm. and we'll just take it from wherever it goes. Absolutely. So why don't we start with a little background? Why don't you tell us, sort of, just in general, you know, where you were racing, you know, what the series name was, and you know, kind of how you got started and up through it, and and we'll take it from there. So yeah, I was uh, born and raised here in Durham. Uh, grew up here my whole life, never left. Uh, started riding when I was about eight. Started racing once I was about 10. Uh, did my first race on a uh, beat up old uh, KX85. Don't even remember what year it was. <laughs> nice. Um, year, what year model it was. But I was I was about 10 years old. Um, had an electrical tape um, for numbers. Uh, mm-hmm. my, my number was number 10. Um, Cause that's what, that's what my baseball number was. My soccer number was, so I stuck with it, ran a few races that year, decided I liked it. Uh, first few races were pretty rough, <laughs> wound up on the ground a lot, but Hey, can't get it. Can't, can't quit that quick. Uh, started to love it. Uh, once I hit 13, I mean, I just went head first, full, full throttle into it. No pun intended. Uh, and yeah, uh, everything I could do to get, on my dirt bike, I was riding pretty much every day. I, we lived on uh, a few acres of land, so I, I built my own dirt bike track with a shovel and uh, a wheelbarrow. Um, nice. And I rode rode every day. Um, I don't know if you guys know, but motocross is a pretty physically taxing uh, sport. It's ma- mainly an endurance sport. Uh, so I was training every day, running. Um, at the age of 13 and all the way up until I was 18. Okay. Um, by that time, my number had changed. I went with 795. That was uh, just re- went real simple like a lot of racers do. You, you take your birthday um, and take a few numbers out of there, at least three. Ah. Uh, make it into a number. So I was born on May 7th in 1995. So I went with uh, 795. Nice. Now this is... Uh- motocross style events yeah motocross um a little bit of supercross um as they like to call it um which is more of a smaller track motocross is on a a big track usually it's uh over a mile and a half long in distance so it's it's a lot longer style race supercross however is on a a, uh, track usually about the size of a football field okay Uh, a lot lot tighter tighter style racing usually only um in the amateur ranks, usually only about 10 to 15 racers in it. Um, whereas motocross, you can get up to 40 people on the gate at one time. Oh, wow. Makes it in pretty, pretty intense. And they all, everybody goes at one time <laughs> off for the same spot. So it gets pretty intense out there. Now you ever done any of the, um, what is the, the style where you're sort of racing through the woods? So unfortunately I never got the opportunity to, I plan to do a few this year. Um, we got a few coming up in the area. 
uh, up at Devil's Ridge in Sanford. Is it like an enduro? Is I think is what they call that. Yeah. So so what they it's woods racing enduro enduro style cross country. It has a lot of different names. Um, what it basically is, what most of them wind up being is, um, they have a loop set up and that loop is usually anywhere from an intermediate rider. It would take usually about 11 minutes to make it through the loop. Okay. And what they'll do is they'll run a, a continuous clock and you do as many loops as you can within a 40 minute time span. That 40 minute time clock goes off and then you got to do one more lap and then of course, whoever crosses the finish line first is your winner. Okay. So it's, it's a pretty intense riding for 40 minutes straight. Then plus however long the course is can be up to 50 minutes. Um, even maybe an hour long on the bike, which is a long time for some pretty intense woods racing. Cause a lot of the woods racing has, includes, you know, Creek crossings and big rocks, rough stuff, big rocks, roots, all kinds of, all kinds of gnarly stuff, gnarly stuff. So let's talk a little bit about the hardware. What kind of what kind of bikes were you racing? And I want to at some point get into what your your favorites are and what some of the differences are between the brands. Right. So as I mentioned before, uh, I started out on a KX eighty five. That was one of my favorite bikes ever. Um, and I can't believe I can't remember what year it was. Being that it was my fa- one of my favorite bikes. We gotta look for old um, pictures. <laughs> right. So. That was one of my favorite bikes. I actually bought it, you know, off of Craigslist. We were a little tight on money when I started racing. Um, and motorcycle racing is a quite expensive sport, especially if you crash a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, that bike was actually a previous, you know, racers before. So it had a, a few trick parts, parts on it, such as like a pro circuit, uh, exhaust system and some trick handlebars and stuff like that. Um, and from there, um, as I grew in stature, I moved up to a YZ125 which that's probably my second favorite bike ever mm. uh, just because it's, it's, it's a tried and true bike. Mine was actually a 1998, uh, YZ125. My first year I raced it. Um, I raced in the D class, which is the beginner class classes go from, uh, ABC to D. Okay. Um, when you're racing on full size bikes. Um, so the D is the beginner class, and that's what class I started out on, of course. Um, I ran the – so the classes break up into um, displacement, uh, the YZ125 or the 125s and the 254 strokes um, run in what's called the 250D class. Okay. And then the 252 strokes and 454 strokes run in what's called the 450D class. And I uh, decided to take my YZ125 and run it in both. Cause you can run an undersized, you know, bike in a, in a, in a bigger class if you so choose. Interesting. Um, so you, and I wound up, you were competing ahead. against the, the two fifty two strokes and the big four fifties as well. That's, that's correct. I'm a, I'm a little YZ one twenty five. Nice. Um, and I was fortunate enough to, um, I believe I came in third in the overall points. Um, I believe the race series was about 11 races long. Um, I came in third in the 250 class, and I actually won the 450 class on my 125. Nice! Wow! Yeah. Well done. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a pretty intense year, um, but it was it was fun. Now that um, was in the D class, correct? Yep, that's in the okay. D class, beginner class. So I mean, it, it, 
competition wasn't crazy stiff, but right. it was it was mainly a bunch of my buddies um, out racing each other, um, and we had a lot of fun, you know. But that's all right. You had bragging rights over them. That's all that matters. That's that's right. That's all that matters, really. Trophy trophy <laughs> fades away, but bragging rights never did. <laughs> to this day, you can still tell them. That's right. I'm my YZ125 whooped y'all. That's right. Yeah, still framing over, all. Over a 450. Wow. Yep. Yeah, it, it was a good time. Uh, that's mainly when I really hit my groove. Um, that's when I was really training hard. I was about uh, 15 at that point. Um, and I was really just training my butt off. I was I was also playing soccer, which really helped as far as as my endurance skills um, went. So I could really kind of outlast everybody. Um, but yeah, I mean, I really took it seriously um, just for racing a, a beginner class. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I wound up moving to the C class, and that's kind of where I, I finished my career at. And I, I had some pretty good races in that class. You know, never never really won anything, but had some podium finishes. But did had you, a good time nonetheless. Did you move up in uh, bike size at that point? I did. Um, I wound up getting a, a 06 YZ450, um, YZ450F. Um, that was a phenomenal bike. It was huge change for me being yeah. you know a lot of power a lot more power than my 125 um and whole different whole different frame really yeah the aluminum uh, frame at that point aluminum frame um coming from a steel frame of the 125 which has a little bit more flex in it and as far as the suspension and chassis goes to where the uh, aluminum frame is a little bit more rigid mm-hmm. um but it took some getting used to and now that's what i still ride as a now I ride a KX 450F, and uh, what year is the Kawasaki? It's a 09. 09, okay. That's actually a fuel injected bike, so I'm actually really enjoying that. Nice. So, on in terms of the the racing feel, what was the major difference between the the high strung two stroke and the big four stroke? Did you have to ride that bike differently, or like what was the experience like there? Yeah, so you have to really ride a lot differently um the 125 you kind of gotta spin through the entire gearbox to to get the maximum amount, amount of power and speed um from that bike especially if you're racing motocross which is what like i said earlier the mm-hmm. bigger tracks with longer straightaways and stuff like that yeah, bigger you're just jumps. whining yeah you're just whining all the way through fifth gear um trying to get as much power to the ground as you can whereas the 450 it uh it acts more like a tractor it's uh, just a ton of ton of torque, um, and still plenty of horsepower, but it's a uh, it's a lot more snappy, um, especially once you get into the fuel injected bikes. The throttle response is just phenomenal um, compared to the carbureted bikes. Yeah. Now, have you ridden a lot of the new bikes, like the the newer models that are out now, like in the last few years? I have got a chance to ride a few of the new models. Um, you know, I've got a chance to ride a few of the uh, new model Kawasaki's. Mm-hmm. I've gotten to ride a uh, 17 YZ450F. Um, and, you know, to be honest, nowadays the competition is so tough between the manufacturers. Um, all their all their products are just so phenomenal. Um, being that I work at Sport Durst, I'm fortunate enough to sell KTM, Yamaha, and Honda as far as our, our motorcycle lineup goes. Right. And, you know... In the shootouts, I listen to a lot of a lot of motocross shootouts. Being a huge motocross fanatic, and they tell you frankly that all the brands are just so 
so technologically advanced that they have to, you know, they have to nitpick every little thing to, to make a, a, a decent shootout. Yeah. Cause I, w- I was trying to relate this to you're kind of the average person who might want to get out there and ride on the weekends or something. You know, what, what's the main thing you'd be giving up with going with an older bike? Like maybe that first generation fuel injected bike versus what you can buy today. So yeah, going with older bikes are, um, it can be tricky. Um, going with a two stroke, you can't go wrong. Uh, if you decide to go 125 or 250, you just, you just can't go wrong with a two stroke. They're super easy to work on. Mm -hmm. Uh, and also they're super cheap as well. Um, I actually just picked up a, a project bike of mine not too long ago, uh, a one YZ125 because I had gotten rid of my, my, my 125 I used to race. So I wanted another one. Um, and, uh, I'm working on that now and I picked it up for 1500 bucks. Nice. Um, and it, it ran fine. It just needed a little bit of suspension work, which I'm getting done now at the shop and, uh, hopefully have it on the track very soon. Yeah. That seems to be one of the bigger changes is over the years, the suspension has just gotten crazy on these bikes. Yeah. You, if you had any pro and ask them, you know, if you had to ride a stock bike and you can only have one, one performance upgrade, what would it be? And every single one of them will tell you suspension, suspension. because <laughs> suspension is super important, especially with the, how, how gnarly the tracks are getting nowadays, especially supercross. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you've got a chance to catch any of it on TBS on Fox sports one, um, but the season season's getting really good. Um, and, and yeah, the tracks are just gnarly. Yeah, just a little bit of it. It's, it's with, with a lot of racing, I don't get a lot of time to watch it, but it's it's always something I'm interested in. And I'd still like to go see it in person. They don't they don't come through Charlotte. I think Atlanta is the closest for Supercross. Yeah, Atlanta, Atlanta's closest. I actually went, get, was fortunate enough to go this year, um, and it, it was just awesome. The new Mercedes-Benz Dome was phenomenal, mm. uh, and it was just really good racing all around. Cool. What do you think, John? I'm going to get you in the dirt or what? Mm. Mm. Come on. You can do it. Maybe. It's like a four-wheeler minus two wheels. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I hear you. I'd need a short one. Yeah, John, we can get you on one. My Z125 is uh, relatively low to the ground, so we can get you out there. (laughs) That would probably be where it needed to be. Rip you right around. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's a fun bike, man. Well, like I like I told Rich, I uh, you know the guy I work with had a big, uh, I think it was a four fifty, or was a two fifty. I had to be a four fifty. You know, you know uh, Kawasaki mm-hmm. dirt bike, and that's the first thing I tried riding, and I couldn't touch. You know, put my feet down. It's like trying to ride the old KLR. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I got short inseam here. <laughs> have it well believe it or kickstart. not and then it was kickstart and i'm like so it was a two-stroke too so it was it was interesting uh, all right not a 450 yeah there's that's a lot of compression so about four <laughs> stroke yeah you ever ridden those old um those old 500 cc two strokes so i haven't got a chance to ride one um luckily my buddy at work uh, mike he actually has an 89 KX 500 um, that he's working on, uh, getting it getting it ready to ride. Um, we're, we're working on putting together a ride day as well at a, at a local track. 
Nice. So he's, he's trying to prep that thing. And uh, he hadn't cranked it in probably 10 plus years. He brought it up to the shop. And uh, our manager, Chris Weaver, um, which I'm sure both of you are familiar with, uh, mm-hmm. he got on the thing and uh, tried to kick it. That thing has so much compression. <laughs> he kicked broke it. Shin. He broke the Kickstarter. <laughs> snapped it right off. Oh man. It was mm. it was hilarious. But uh it, it was yeah, it was something we laughed about for a few weeks. <laughs> nice. We've got a yeah, question it, on Supercross, but I I need to pick your brain on the bikes a little bit more. Sure. So they're all fairly similar, at least the, the modern bikes nowadays, but do you have a brand favorite overall? My personal brand favorite uh, is Yamaha, mainly because that's what I, I've spent most of my time on. It's what I'm familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I had a dream bike to to ride on, and uh, this is kind of a sneak peek of my uh, my eight days, um, but Uh-oh. Uh, Uh-oh. <laughs> but uh, I mean that that KTM uh, factory edition we just got in and just sold. Um, I, it, it is I man, just, that is a I just added that to my list last week. I redid my list. Yeah, man, that that bike is a piece of art. Mm. It really is. Nice. I was I, I stood in the showroom for probably ten minutes just looking over it, looking at the ins and outs and the engineering and what they did different from the previous year. It, it's just amazing how how light and how you know narrow they can make a, a four hundred and fifty cc motocross bike. Now, do you have any of the KTM, I think it's the free ride, the electric offerings? So, no. Um, unfortunately, they haven't, um, to my knowledge, put them over in, in the States yet. Uh, oh, okay. I believe that's just a Euro thing only. I know they're working hard because Alta um, is some stiff competition. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're putting out some really good product. Uh, so, KTM definitely wants to be the, the first and foremost. And... Uh, believe it or not, Yamaha just announced, um, I don't know if you follow Yamaha a lot on Instagram and stuff like that. They, they just announced a, uh, a electric bike. It's a, uh, trials type bike. Oh, trials. That looks like a ton of fun. I've never yeah. done it, but it looks like a blast. Yeah. It's a, it's an electric trials bike, which is pretty gnarly because you need a lot of a lot of get up and go for for a trials bike mm-hmm. most of them are 250 cc uh two strokes and uh to be something that snappy and to be able to work work correctly especially those stakes those guys do um is a is definitely a technology uh feat in and of itself yeah that seems like a, a perfect fit for electric as long as it's not too heavy right you know you don't want too massive of a battery for that kind of thing yeah, Yamaha's been doing a lot of cool stuff lately. Let's see. Well, I was say, well, I was going to transition to Alta, but I want to get Roger's question. So, um, Roger's one of the guys in our clubhouse, and his uh, nickname is Nobby Tire. So, you know, he likes the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> um, he yeah, was this, he was wondering what true. you thought about the Triple Crown. So, I'm actually a, a, a fan of the Triple Crown. Um, the race I got to attend in Atlanta. Uh, was a triple crown event and it was, it was a lot more enjoyable, um, because I have been to previous live races, um, that were just the, the standard format and it was a lot more racing, a lot more action, um, a lot more close battles, um, 
because of that triple crown. And I can kind of briefly explain the triple crown if you're not familiar. Yeah, I was going to say break down that format if you don't mind, just real quick. So, so normal normal supercross, um, they start out with forty guys in each class, the two fifty and two four fifty class, um, and they go through qualifiers um, called heats, mm-hmm. and they take uh, nine guys out of each heat, um, and they they take them in what's called the main event. And then everybody else that doesn't qualify from the heat goes into what's called a LCQ, which stands for last chance qualifier. And out of the last chance qualifier, they only take four. Um, And then for the main event, they have 22 guys on the gate. So for the triple crown, they do all the qualifying during the day. And it's all, it's all lot uh, timed qualifying. So it's all based on lap time. So you, you, you have 10 minutes worth of qualifying and you have to spend your hottest lap as fast as you can. And uh, they break it up. Some of the guys come within hundreds and thousands of a second difference. So that's how you're, how you're ranked um, to get into the main event. And with the Triple Crown, there's three main events. There's no heats or anything like that. Oh, okay. Because uh, I was wondering how, because so far it was sounding mm-hmm. like the way I've always known it. Right. So they take, they take uh, the top 22 guys from the qualifying. Mm-hmm. And they race all night long, all night long. So you're getting to see the best of the best on the track at all, at the whole time, um, instead of you know the last chance qualifier, which is usually uh, privateers. Which I'm a huge fan of privateers because a lot of my you know mm-hmm. friends are uh, professional racers and they're doing it on their own, which is a hustle. Um, and it's, it's a lot, a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of effort to do it on your own with no or very little support. Um, because motor supercross is a very expensive sport. Yeah. I can um, imagine anything that, you know, at that level gets to be yeah. just crazy money. So you're getting to see the best of the best race. And when they race, they, uh, go in different time segments. So the first main event, uh, for the four fifties is eight minutes long plus one lap. Um, and then the second is, I believe 12 minutes long. And then I believe the third is 15 minutes long. So you're getting to see, you know, the best of the best duke it out for a very much shorter amount of time. Um, whereas the traditional format is, um, once the, once you get into the main event, it's just for the 450 class, it's 20 minutes plus one lap. So there's three races in the triple crown are people advancing or there's just a, a winner so, from each three. How's that? So, so there's a winner from each race and then they take it into an overall um, scoring system, which they use the Olympic style scoring systems. So it's kind of like golf, whoever mm-hmm. has the lowest score wins. Um, so if you get first place, um, you get one point. And for all three races, if you wind up with three points or four points and the, the guy behind you winds up with seven points or whatever, right. um, you get first place for the night. Okay. So now we're, all of the top riders are not racing in the same race at the end. It doesn't sound like. So all the top riders are, are racing in all three races. Um, that's, there's, there's six races total in the night. Um, you get three in the 250, um, class and then three in the 450 class. Um, and anybody who's racing in those three races, they're the ones that qualified, um, the highest. So they're, those are the best of the best for all three races. Got it. Okay. So you're, you're qualifying for the, the three races and then everyone is in those three scoring right. points for an overall yep. winner. 
for an overall, yep, for an overall score. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting format. And I, at first, I didn't think I was going to be a fan of it when they announced it uh, earlier before the season started. Mm-hmm. And uh, once I got the, f- so they're only doing three of them this year. Um, they did Anaheim two, um, they did Atlanta, and then the next race is going to be uh, Minneapolis. Um, so Anaheim didn't kind of work that well. The races were a little short. I believe they did like six minutes, 10 minutes, and then 12 minutes or something like that. Okay. So there wasn't a lot of action. Um, so they kind of fixed that. They, they, they stretched out the, the race time. And uh, I have to say it was, it was really good the sec- once, they, once they got the bugs worked out. Nice. So they're going to do this just for a couple of races this year, and then that might be yep. the way going forward? Is that their plan, you think? Yeah, they're doing trial run basically okay. is what it winds, what it boils down to um, this year, and then if it uh, if it sits well with everybody and the manufacturers and the fans, and they'll probably just take it on and run with it. Well, hopefully, people adjust to it. I know John and I used to watch NASCAR over the years a lot, and then we both sort of fallen out. And I'm kind of trying to get back into it. My my brother Kenny watches it, and he drags me in once in a while, and. I'm still trying to figure it all out with the heat racing and the whatever knockout qualifying and whatever they do towards the end of the year. And it's, it's like so many rule changes. I'm trying to figure it all out. Right. The chase format and all that kind of stuff, which there has been talk about bringing the chase format into Supercross, but that's still just talk. Good. So, All right. Well, let's segue back to the bikes a little bit because we are anxiously waiting for Harley Davidson to release the live wire and by live wire, I mean the one that I rode three years ago, not some uh, Frankenstein of, of a bike. <laughs> <laughs> so you said uh, in the pre-show that you got to ride uh, bikes from Alta. So tell us about those. So, yeah, um, I don't know if you guys heard, uh, saw the, uh, the press release that Harley Davidson had actually made an investment into we the did. brand Alta motors. Um, so I don't know where that's going to go. Um, nobody's really heard anything since, but, um, I, I was fortunate enough to get to ride one of the Alta bikes. I got to ride the, uh, the Enduro model. Um, that bike was phenomenal. Uh, when you talk about just instant power, uh, it, it's just crazy amount of torque. Uh, I believe it's a hundred 120 20. foot pounds of torque. Yep. And uh 42 horsepower that bike zero to 60 it was just crazy instant um there's no gearbox it's just one speed no okay. clutch um you have different modes though there's a one two and three four mode um one is just kind of a, a mild mode and two gets a little bit more three is more of a performance mode and then four just opens up every gate possible <laughs> um, now this was uh, you said the enduro model does that mean it was road legal it was street legal. Nice. Um, yes, sir. It, it, it was, uh, it, it's like a dual sport pretty much. Yeah. Very, very nice. Yeah. I'm looking at some of the bikes now here online and I've spent a bit of time on the site. You know, like you said, Harley, Harley Davidson put an investment into it and it's something we've been following for years. So it's, it's good. I think it's good for them to have the technology. I'm just curious to see what the, the styling exercise ends up being. Yeah, it was very interesting ride. Um, I thought I thought the weight was going to be a factor. Um, this one, uh, the one I rode was uh, the EX, like I said, 
and it weighs 275 pounds. Um, however, I cannot wait to, to ride the motocross bike. I believe that one weighs, uh, 259 pounds, which is not too much over, um, what the traditional motorcycles weigh, which is, I mean, our heaviest motorcycle, our 450s weigh about 239. Okay. Um, so they're carrying about 20 pounds more maybe. Yeah. It's not, not, not crazy amount of weight. Yeah. Um, but it's just instant power, you know, no clutch. So you don't have no clutching into corners. You can just kind of roll it in and ride it out. I'd be curious to ride the, the supermoto, the SM. That looks interesting. Yes. The on-road sort of all on-road version. Yeah. So they did have that model out, um, when I was riding, unfortunately I didn't get a chance to ride on that one. Um, the battery was a little, um, dead used uh, up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, it, that was the hottest bike, so everybody was riding that one. So they were charging that one while I was riding. But um, I mean, it was it was just amazing how how instant the power is. I mean, I, I weigh 150 pounds, and I was having to ride on. I was about to say the gas tank, but it doesn't have a gas tank. So I was riding on the the front of the bike, <laughs> the cover front of the yeah. seat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the very front of the bike, just to keep it down. You know, because it was you know. Even going at a at a twenty roll, it was wanting to come up. Nice. Um, once you cracked down on it, it was, and there's no noise, which is a weird thing too. Did you get a chance to ride it in the dirt, or was this a road ride only? So I, I took it over to our our gravel ish lot, which has a little bit of dirt section on it. I got a I got a flat track it a little bit. Okay, it was phenomenal. The 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 throttle response. It took a little bit to get used to. Um, being it's obviously throttled by wire. Um, as opposed to cable throttle, which, which I'm used to, which have a little bit of play. Whereas this throttle had zero play. Instant, yeah. Um, it's just, you, you, so it took a little while to get used to that. But once I got the throttle down, you kind of just lay that thing on, lay that thing on its side and just roll around wherever you want it, put it wherever you want it. It would go. Let's see. I'm looking at this. So the MXR is the performance model and the MX. Okay, so that's a step up. Mm-hmm. The performance are the MXR is the one I'm ready to ride. <laughs> yeah, it says 50 horsepower. I went past it to get the torque. 100, 147. 147 on that one. Good yep. night. Look at that. 259. 259 pounds. 12 grand. And it looks like the recharge, recharge time is is an hour and a half. Yeah, which is insane compared to um some of the previous brands mm-hmm. uh such as like zero and stuff like that which have charge out charge times of like nine hours and stuff like that yeah um, always depending on the the amount of juice you can pump into it mm-hmm. i know yeah, zero's so it, got a couple of options now you can put like two controllers in the bike i think and charge it even quicker but but this is this is a little smaller battery too this is 5.8 kilowatt hours and i think some of the zeros get up into the sevens right i think yeah i'm not i'm not too familiar exactly on the zeros but uh, that was just some of the numbers they i had thrown at me yeah that's a nice charge time though yeah it says only even only three hours on a standard 120 volt plug yeah also what was really really neat on um the the enduro model it has I don't know if you're looking at it right now, but the, uh, where the gas tank would be, there's a little what looks like a lid, so that pops up, and it's actually a male uh, outlet. 
So all you would have to do is plug a drop cord in it to charge it. No special, no special charging cables, no nothing like that. Nice. Yep. So all you got to do is take an extension cord, plug mm-hmm. it in, and you're charging. So if you had any 240-volt outlet at home, you could just plug it in. Uh, it would work on 110 as well. Well, 110 as well, but do you need a special plug to do the, the fast chargers? I was trying to find that on the site here. Yeah, there is a fast charger um, system that they yeah, have the two, with it. The 240 is rapid, Rich. It's on the recharge time. Two hours on 240. Right, but, right on. but I guess what I'm trying to figure out is what's the connection, because sometimes you have to wire some special plug into your uh, house. Yeah, it's, it's, an, it's an adapter, pretty okay. much. I was just thinking if you could just plug it into like where your dryer is. <laughs> if you got well, a yeah, you'd 240 probably, dryer, like can I just plug it in there? <laughs> you'd probably need a L6. Honey, um, why, why is there a motorcycle in the laundry room? I'd be like, it'll be out of there in an hour and a half. Yeah. At least you won't have to worry about it smelling like fumes and gas or anything like that. So <laughs> wouldn't have no problem bringing it inside. That's right. Yeah, that's a nice advantage, huh? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Just don't damage that battery. You have one hell of a fire. Yeah. So I, I, I was actually curious. So I asked about the batteries, um, you know, if they were going to take it into the professional ranks and, you know, if they had to do a battery swap on it, you know, what's the cost of a battery? And I was, I was actually told around uh 3,200 bucks, which I was, I was expecting to hear, you know, eight grand or something like that. Cause the models run, <laughs> you know, the Enduro model runs about 12 grand. Um, and I was expecting to hear a high number like that. So I was, I was actually pleasantly surprised. And the site, they're claiming a thousand hour, uh, service life on it. Yeah. Which is insane. That's a, that's a lot of seat time major, for a motocross bike. Major maintenance cycle, 1000 hours. Very, very nice. Oh, well, let's see. Anything else you liked or anything you didn't like about riding that? Um, had to honestly, be one no. thing that bugged you where you're like, ah, they got to fix this. <laughs> honestly, honestly, well, the brake lever, the brake lever was a little bit, um, angled in, um, at least for my preference. Uh, it may just be the enduro style bike, um, that I was riding and I'm used to riding motocross bikes, but that, that was one of my, one of my, uh, little peeves, but the, the suspension they're using WP suspension, which is owned by KTM. Um, which is an air suspension mm-hmm. uh, on the motocross bike, at least. Um, I believe they're using the spring on the enduro bike. Um, I could be wrong, though. But but you're the, right, though. Look how narrow this thing is. The narrowness, I mean, it just, the ergonomics are phenomenal. I, I honestly just can't wait to get on the motocross version. <laughs> yeah, this is actually pretty neat. I mean, I, I'm not going to be racing it, but I used to do trail riding with the KLR and for one, it was, it was too heavy, but you know, something like this, you could ride in places where people wouldn't even hardly know you were there. Yeah. And that, that's what our hopes are, um, in the motocross community, at least, um, you know, when this, when Alta was just a rumor, um, a few years ago, um, everybody was kind of, man, I'm never going to ride an electric bike. You know, you're not ever going to get my gas or away from me. Kind of like a lot of a lot of people are with, uh, you know, automatic transmissions and motorcycles like Honda's putting out. Um, but now that they're actually showing up and um, they're in a few unsanctioned uh, competition, professional competitions, 
and they're actually competing well. Uh, a lot of people have high hopes for them, such as you know being able to have urban tracks uh, instead of having to drive in, like like here in Durham. Um, you know, I still have to drive at least forty minutes to an hour away to go ride at a track. track. Yeah, they're hoping that you know we can have some urban tracks, you know, electric bikes only, to where you don't have to worry about noise complaints. You can ride at night and all kinds of stuff like that, and you still have happy neighbors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm looking at some more things on out the site here, and they're talking about four hours of trail riding. You know, ride in the morning, put it on the fast charger. I guess an hour and a half is kind of a long lunch, but <laughs> it's not out of the realm of possibility that you could take an hour and a half break and then get in another four hours in the afternoon. That's a pretty good day in the dirt. Yeah, and and from the also from that standpoint of, of motocross riding, um, it does. You know, if you're if you're a faster rider, it, it's going to say a lower time. Um, but also, you know, in between motos, you can just throw it on the charger. Um, and you know, charge it to where you need to be. It doesn't have to be at a hundred percent for you to be able to get the, you know, the full capabilities of it. Um, and you know, just ride, do a few laps, put it on charger, take your break and you're good to go. Interesting thing about racing, improving the brand. So based on what you see at the dealership, when one particular brand is, is kicking butt on the track, do you see that translate? on the showroom floor? We do. Um, as far as sales go, it, it's tough because in the competition, in, at least good. in professional supercross right now, uh, Husqvarna and KTM are the ones really dominating. Um, cause that's who's holding the number one and two positions in, in the point standing right now, mm -hmm. um, which is Jason Anderson on a Husqvarna. Um, he's number one and, uh, Marvin Muskin, who's on a KTM Red Bull factory KTM. Um, and they're holding the number one and two positions. So everybody comes into the store talking about that. But when it comes down to reality and what people can afford, um, the, the Japanese bikes still, uh, become more appealing, uh, because of that, you know, the affordability factor of parts and, um, stuff like that because motocross is a brutal sport and you're breaking parts all the time. <laughs> What's the, the initial price spread on a 450? Um, a 450, you're going to look somewhere out the door in the $10,000 $10, range. Um, on, on a KTM or Husqvarna, you're going to be looking closer to the $11,000 range. Um, just because KTM has struggled. Um, well, not struggled. They, they do put, you know, a lot of phenomenal technology into their bikes, which the Japanese bikes are slowly um, starting to put on their products, such as hydraulic clutches. They put Brembo brakes on their bikes. They put, you know, um, a chrome molly frame, whereas the Japanese bikes are, are, are aluminum frames. Um, and KTMs still come out uh, lighter um, with a chrome molly frame than they and the Japanese bikes do with the aluminum frame, which is hmm. amazing feat of engineering. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, yeah, it was it's, just, oh, go ahead. It, it's just all in the, uh, Austrian engineering really. Um, and KTM's proud of their product. And, um, if you want the best motorcycle out there, you know, KTM is, you know, really the best you, you can buy 
But if you're if you're a racer on a budget, you're not going to be outran by somebody that's got a KTM, and you know you have the skill set to ride a, a Yamaha or Honda, Kawasaki, Suzuki, whatever. Um, because you know a lot of people that are racing um, and and take the racing seriously, um, they have to put you know performance parts on their bikes and stuff like that, and replace a lot of the parts and that stuff gets expensive especially when you're on a on a ktm it just comes a little bit more affordable on a japanese bike got it yeah and the whole reason for asking that question is thinking about where the industry is going with electric bikes and i'm just wondering if you feel that electric bikes need to start winning on the track before they start winning in the showroom i wonder if that's going to play into it at all right so uh, MX Sports and AMA actually just made an announcement, which kind of um, kind of pissed off a lot of the electric enthusiasts. Um, they're actually um, banning them from amateur amateur racing right now. Um, any sanctioned amateur racing, which is which is a real speed bump for them. Um, but I, I definitely see them overcoming it. Uh, the reason they're banning it, they say, is uh, because of just the unknown factor um they don't know how to compare them yeah. as far as classes go because classes are broken up into cc uh, displacement of. and stuff like that yeah i think that's that'll be the hardest thing is where do they line up with the existing classes because what what you really don't want to have happen is that they create just an all-electric class i don't think you want that i think just like they did with the two strokes and the four strokes, I think they all need to just mix it up together and the better bike's going to come out on top. Yeah. I think that's the only way to do it. Right. Uh, I 100% agree. And uh, I, I, I can definitely play devil's advocate um, uh, of Alta. Um, I definitely see where the AMA is coming from as far as, you know, they haven't developed the technology on their side of, of the spectrum to be able to test and make sure that the electric bikes are meeting the class requirements as, as far as that. Whereas, you know, with a gas bike, they'll just go and if, if they have a, a, a discrepancy in the class, they think somebody's cheating or something like that. They can just go to their bike and pull the head off. Yeah. Um, well, it's, and see that they have a bigger piston or whatever. Yeah. It's going to shift over to like the software controllers and, and the algorithms and everything that, that drive the electric bike. Cause so much of that, you're not going to be able to check just with the naked eye. You're going to have to dig into the, the software of the bike to understand, mm-hmm. okay, how much juice is it really putting out at any given time? And until they get their arms around, I think the full capabilities and, and maybe it becomes something like what, what NASCAR does where they issue some parts to the teams. So and, and maybe with these, they say, okay, we're going to issue you the controller to these bikes because we know just how much power it can put out. You can have as much battery as you want. You're going to pay the price in the weight category, but you know, maybe the AMA hands out some hardware or something like that. Yeah, there's actually been some gossip um, about actually doing that with uh, gas bikes because a lot of, you know, all the all the gas bikes on at least a four-stroke level yeah. are uh, electric fuel injection. Yeah. So all of them ha- do have different engine maps and stuff like that. Um, and this Supercross season, a lot of people have got hurt this past year, and they're they really don't know who to blame. Whether it's the, the riders for making mistakes, and there's no re- no real body at any at fault. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're they're 
there's just constant talk on, you know, what can we do to make the sport safer? It's a dangerous sport. Um, there's no, there's no arguing that, um, you have, you have guys out here jumping 80, 82 foot, uh, quads and on every single lap for 20 minutes, uh, which is insane. So there's a lot of talk about, you know, how can we make the sport safer, safer? Do we, do we make the tracks more tame? Well, no, the riders don't want that. Um, do we put restrictions on the bikes? Well, no, the manufacturers don't want that because then they can't put it in production because, you know, in Supercross, they have to race a production bike. Um, they can have modified parts on it, but they can't change anything um, as far as the chassis goes, anything like that. Um, so there's been talks about, you know, putting restrictor plates in their air boxes. Oh, jeez. Stuff like that. Um but no real action has been really taken yet. But in Supercross, we have these seasons every so often where, you know, a lot of people got hurt. You know, a lot of the top contenders got hurt is what, what the real problem is. If it's, if it's just, you know, privateers getting hurt, nobody really bats an eye. But yeah. it's a lot of the top guys that are getting hurt, which is still unfortunate. Um, but there's always, there's always these years, you know, where people get hurt a lot. Yeah, you hate to see things like that have to be slowed down i the i when i hear restrictor plate i just kind of cringe a little bit mm -hmm. and you know maybe it's as simple as they just don't race the 450s anymore is that where the injuries are happening or is it across the board that's a, that's where a lot of the injuries are happening and my personal take on the, the whole situation is they should have never really made a 450 to begin with um, i think they should have went with a smaller displacement such as a 350 which right. ktm does make yeah. um I believe 450 is just an insane amount of power to have on a on a football size stadium track racing indoors. Um, yeah, racing against 21 other people, um, and it, it's just the, the the manufacturers when they were converting from two strokes, they didn't you know they they were trying to make something equivalent to the 500 cc. Oh, uh, so the so the 450f was not or 450 uh, four stroke was not intended to line up with the 252 stroke. No, the 252 stroke is so supremely, you know, outgunned um By the as far as the new 450s. Um when the 450s came out, um they they did have some bugs. Um a lot of the ride, the professional riders didn't want to ride them and stuff like that. Um just because they didn't, you know, know the technology and know the stuff like that would which back in the day when this first came out were, you know, uh, carbureted and stuff like that. Let's see, where was I going with that? Um, well, you also see this in the Daytona 200. So that's another example of bringing the horsepower down. They only race the 600 uh, CC bikes. Now they don't race the leader bikes anymore. Mm -hmm. So that, that's kind of why I was thinking, well, maybe they just, the four fifties go by the wayside and just use the, the, 254 strokes. Yeah, that that that's something I definitely would like to happen because honestly, if you look at lap times, the 254 strokes are not that far off from the 452 or 454 strokes. They're jumping the same stuff. Yep. They're putting the same rhythm sections together. Um, there's no reason really for a 450, even though I am an owner of two. <laughs> now, is there a class that you have to run them out of the box? Um, because I, another thought might be is, so, so you stop racing the 450 and the, the top class 
could still run a 250, you know, with race parts, you know, all tuned out, you know, factory bikes, heavy sponsors, all that. And then your, your class below that, which would have been what would have been the 250s previously, they have to run 250s out of the box, like off the showroom floor. So the problem with that is these, these professional racers, the, the speed they run with production suspension uh, on a supercross track with whoops that are three feet tall and 13 feet apart from each other. Wouldn't make it. it. It just cannot be done. You would be bottoming out everything. You would be hurting yourself a lot more. Um, this, like I, like I told you earlier um, in the show, that a lot of pro riders, if they had to have a production bike with one performance part, suspension. it would be suspension. And, and that's why, because that, that's where your, your handling comes from. Um, because there's, you know, there's different types of riders. There's riders that steer with the front end. There's riders that steer with the rear end. Um, there's riders that seat bounce a lot, um, which is a technique where you, you know, you sit down on a jump and you use the compression of the spring to rebound you a little bit farther. (coughs) And other ones just kind of stand up and, and then the other ones just, you know, stand up and you uh, try to scrub it or whip it or all different kind of jumping techniques. But yeah, uh, having production suspension may work on uh, on a motocross outdoor track. Um, even then, it's still very, very questionable as far as rider safety. Well, we'd get better street bikes, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> or production bikes, not necessarily for the street, but I don't know. It's just kind of a kind of a thing. I, I like the idea of racing things right out of the showroom. I know they're not necessarily intended for that, but. Yeah, and that, that's the cool thing about KTM. Um, I, I don't mean to do be bragging on ktm so much but ktms that you know you pay for what you get with ktm you definitely you can you can just about race that thing off the showroom floor because of the performance parts they come stock on it um like i like i said earlier the brembo brakes the 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 aluminum triple clamps um and they use their own suspension which is wp and and they they've actually are the only ones to really, really nail down the air suspension. Um, and they, they put that on their production bikes and, uh, some people like it. Some people don't. Um, I honestly haven't got a chance to ride, ride one with it, but yeah, nice. the KTMs, that's, that's their, that's their mantra is ready to race. Nice. I'm, I'm going to talk street bikes a little bit, John, before we get into our middle segment here. Um, so staying on the KTM tip, Super Duke GT. Have you ridden that thing? Have I ridden that thing? I, I've, I've got to ride it around the parking lot. Okay. Um, that bike well, is amazing. Well, let's back this up real quick before you go down that path. Yeah. Joey, as, as maybe hasn't been said this yet, he doesn't have his motorcycle license yet. That's all right. For the street. But, people don't. But what do you got news for us, Joey? I'm going tomorrow to get my motorcycle permit so I can do some rides with you guys. Nice. <laughs> Got to keep up with John. He's the mileage. The what, What's your nickname now? John the Million Mile Miracle? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bacon's <laughs> naming that nickname now. Jeez. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah, I just can't wait to get riding. Um, I, uh, I have, you know, test ridden a few things in parking lots and bigger parking lots and stuff like that, but I've never really got a real chance to get out on the road. Um, 
and I, I just really look forward to it. I, you know, being at, at the dealership, I've gotten to you know test ride a, a plethora of different bikes, be it Harleys or street bikes or yeah. what have you, spiders. Um, and I just can't wait to be able to legally ride them all on the road. Yeah, that Super Duke GT that that takes a lot of boxes for me. It's just it's maybe a little pricey for what I'm trying to spend, but you guys had one that was real close when I was up there riding that uh, eluder, but I understand that one's gone now. <laughs> yep, I did. I did have the pleasure of selling that bike, and I got to see it with the with the boxes all installed and whatnot. And it it was it was a really it really came together once the boxes were on it. Yeah. Do you so guys not, have do you have an eighteen yet of that bike? We do not, unfortunately. When you get one, let me know. I'll definitely so, let you know. <laughs> Ahead, the interesting John. thing, though, interesting on that sale was I was talking to Chris um, there about it, about how it was gone. And he's like, yeah, the guy came in and bought it. And the guy didn't, I don't know if he really realized what he had. Well, yeah. if he realizes what he has and doesn't like it, then maybe he can sell it used at a nice discount. <laughs> and, and that's just kind of Chris's let on, like. <laughs> it might be better. It's like, well, you got this bike, real nice bike. You're like, yeah, uh-huh. God, yeah, the guy, the guy had actually ridden uh, a friend of his, uh, his GT uh, before and uh, just fell in love with it. So he definitely knew what he was getting. Yeah, I think, I think for the money, I'd still take the, the Tracer GT, though. It's like half the price. Mm-hmm. I have a ton of fun on that bike. Yeah, that, that bike's getting a lot of hype. Uh, I, I get a lot of questions about that every week um I'm, I'm excited to see it come out all right well we have one more question from our dirt expert that's your nickname now roger <laughs> um he wants to know if you think that uh i believe this is roxon if he's going to be back outdoors and how he'll do so he he did just make a press release uh honda corporation actually made a press release for him um i believe a day or two ago um he he does plan to make it to Hangtown, which is the motocross opener on May nineteenth. Um, he's underwent surgery. He's recovering. He's still training hard. Um, this is just a gnarly dude. He he went down last year, mm. broke like everything in his arm. I don't even know how many bones he broke in his arm and hand. Had like I think I think it was like twelve surgeries. Oh my goodness! Got on the bike, started racing this year again. Got going good. Had a little run in with uh, Cooper Webb. Got his hand caught in Cooper Webb's tire and in the chain and swing arm area, and uh, broke broke a few bones in there and had to have surgery again. Ouch. But yeah, but yeah, he's a gnarly dude. Um, as soon as he had surgery, he was back training, you know, on a stationary bike and doing what he can, you know, uh, with one hand. And uh, trying to stay race ready, and he he's, he plans to uh, make make his return at Hangtown on May nineteenth. Nice. You like watching the outdoor racing better than indoors, or all the same to you? Ah, man, that's a tough one. Um, <laughs> I, I love them both. Um, the indoor um, is a little bit more bar to bar. Yes. Um, where the outdoor is a little bit more physically demanding because they. Just like Supercross, they crisscross the country, but a lot of times the Supercross are racing in arenas, which are covered and 
uh, climate controlled. So it's 70 degrees in the arena when it's 30 degrees outside or what have you. Whereas the nationals are completely gnarly. They crisscross the country. They go from, um, uh, Southern California, all the way up to Washington state, all the way out East coast to Maryland, Tennessee, all over the place. And they race through the middle of the summer. Um, which especially if you get to places like, uh, where, where it usually ends in, uh, Indiana and, you know, August, I mean, it's, it's extremely hot and you get, um, to Bud's Creek in, in, uh, Maryland in the middle of June or July and it's, you know, 90 degrees and humidity of 98%. And, and you have the motocross racing formats a lot different. Um, they, they run 40 guys off the gate Wow! <coughs> and they run for, they run two motos, um, for a, a combined score for, for an overall winner. And they run for 30 minutes plus two laps, um, which is on, on some of America's most gnarly tracks. And it's just grueling. Bud's Creek, Maryland. That's, that shouldn't be too far from us, John. Yeah. It's only about five hours away from Durham. Another couple for me. I don't know. I don't know if you guys saw this. Did you see the April Fool's joke from KTM? The three-stroke uh, innovation. The, I saw they put one out. Um, it's hilarious. On Insta- I saw they put one out on Instagram. They said that we're we're uh, we're scrapping orange and uh, we're actually going to start our production of pink motorcycles. Yeah, this is funny. The <laughs> KTM three-stroke three twenty-five EXC three SI. <laughs> That's, that's awesome. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, I want to see their three-stroke engine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. Oh, man. Let's see. Roger's blowing us up with questions now. So uh, back on the Supercross side, is uh, Anderson taking it? Someone going to catch him? going to run him down? So Anderson, unless he goes down, I mean, all he's got to do is really just show up and uh, Collect run points. this run this thing out. I mean, he doesn't really have to win or top 10 really. I mean, he's just got such a points lead. Um, because the, the beginning of the year, um, everybody's favorite, um, to win the championship was Eli Tomac. Um, he crashed out of the first round, um, and wound up not being able to race. Uh, I believe it was the second round. And so he lost 50 points right off the bat. Yeah, it's not a, then, not how you want to start your season. Yeah, and then the second favorite, which was Marvin Muskin, crashed to the I believe it was the third or fourth round. He wound up losing you know twenty five points right off the bat. Um, wound up I believe he didn't race the next one either. Could be wrong there, um, but yeah. And then Anderson just fell into his hands. And then everybody for three races in a row, everybody that was in second place in points uh, crashed out majorly um and wound up not being able to finish the season one of those being ken Roxon. very nice well what do you think john you have any other questions well roger had more questions what else does he want to know what's going on with eli yeah what's going on with eli so eli is the cal uh cal stands for crash or win (laughs) uh if (laughs) That that's that's basically his riding style. 
Checkers uh, or wreckers. One of the two. He's basically, he's, he reminds, not, not, not in his personality, but on his way, on his, on his track, um, he reminds me of Ricky Bobby. <laughs> if he can't win, he's going to crash trying. <laughs> but um, he, he just, it, it's weird. And I've heard um, interviews from um, Jamie McGrath, uh, uh, Kawasaki's brand manager or brand uh, ambassador. Mm-hmm. Um, who is very, you know, king of Supercross, 72 wins. Oh, yeah. um, and he's, you know, real tight with Eli and stuff like that. And the whole Kawasaki crew, they just can't wrap their heads around why Eli keeps making these seem seemingly simple mistakes. You know, he, he'll, he'll nose dive into a corner and Down just wash out and just, just simple almost rookie mistakes and he's he's been a he's been a 250 champion and you know he's riding on you know the biggest racing team out there or one of them yeah. monster energy kawasaki that's the factory team right that's correct yeah and let's see last one for the racing who's going to win the 250 east oh man that's a tough one is that the so, tightest battle this year amongst yeah. the series yeah so fortner and uh Osborne are going out, going at it, but I, I think Osborne's going to pull it out. Um, he's just so consistent. Whereas Forkner is a uh, not really a, a rookie anymore, but he's uh, still kind of got the rookie tendencies. He's a he's a wild child. Dude's only seventeen years old and racing with the best of the best. So nice. He's what, he's a gnarly kid. He's got a bright future. What are they riding for brands? Uh, Forkner's on the Pro Circuit Kawasaki team, which is. The team you want to be on if you're racing the 250 class, um, managed by Mitch Payton, um, who's basically like the godfather of the sport. <laughs> um, he he's the owner of Pro Circuit, um, the exhaust company, and yep. yeah, I've heard that name a bunch. So Pro Circuit Kawasaki Monster Energy um, is the team to be on um, if you're trying to make your way up through the ranks in the 250 class. Um, I forget the other guy's name. What's he riding? Uh, Zach Osborne, he's on the Rockstar Husqvarna uh, team. Uh, he actually used to race the GPs over in Europe. Um, he started out in, in America, uh, wound up not doing so well. He got hired on to a uh, GP team, raced over in Europe for a little while, came back, um, I believe it was two years ago, started training with one of the best trainers in the sport, uh, Alden Baker, um, which is who our own Brock Tickle is training with right now. Um, started just killing it in, in, the, in the points last year and wound up winning the championship last year. Um, so he's actually defending that title right now. Very nice. So the 250 is the one to watch. Sounds like the 450 is a little bit of a runaway. Yeah, there's a lot of action in the, in the 250s. Um, however, the 450 is still a lot of action because there's a lot of, a lot of guys that are uh, doing really well now that um, some of the uh, top competition is injured. Um, and they're, they're actually, you know, showing their shining through, showing their real colors and, you know, uh, making, making a name for themselves really. Very nice. And Fox is still covering Supercross exclusively. That's, that's correct. Uh, FS1 is where you can find most of the races. Good stuff. All right, Joey. Well, I'm going to let you hydrate a little bit. Enjoy some of your rum and Coke there or whatever you have left. <laughs> right. Yep. My, my throat's getting a little quirk. <laughs> Uh, horse. Um, yeah, it takes 
takes a minute to get used to it, but we'll, uh, we got to thank some people and then we'll get to your eight days a week. All right. Sounds good. Okay. Let's just take a moment here or as much as we need and recognize the people who continue to make our show possible. And we do that by thanking the writers of loud pipes for their continued support. That would be our first five writers, the OGs, if you will, Marcus, Rickard, Edward, Jebby, and Zion. Thank you, fellas. We have our Slack pack, which is Chuck, Nobby Tire, of course, Old Man Slacker, Sir Mike, and Squatchy Pete, who has a brandy-dandy new work truck, which is looking sweet. We have Steve, Micah, Kenny, Dangerous Dave, Chad, James, Bronco Ride, and Rich. That makes up our riders group. And then we have Darren, the Motorcycles and Misfits podcast, and Jared are the insiders. Continue on. Ooh, 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 ooh. Go ahead. Continue on. <laughs> okay. Uh, if you're not a member of the Riders of Loud Pipes, please visit loudpipes.net forward slash donate. Take a look at the support levels we have to offer, and our show is only possible with your support. All right, John, what do you got now? So, so, so you know something. Yes, sir. Something happened this week. This week. This past week. This past weekend. Did, did you see somebody got a new bike? I saw Kenny's new bike. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, someone else got a new bike. Did you see that? Someone. Oh, someone got a new bike. Yeah, old man Slacker got a new bike. Yeah. Well, he that up- blew me away. Yeah, two bikes now. He's getting a stable pretty big like you did. The Kawasaki Vulcan S that he had already had, same color as Kenny's. Yeah. And now and he, he got-, got the Z900 RS Kawasaki. In, yeah, in the orange. Yeah. With aftermarket exhaust or not yet? I don't think so. I think it's stock. It's still stock. Okay. I need to and get, get that so, get that working. So he did your favorite, you know, trick of name that bike. So he threw that out there, and he's like, "Here's a picture." And I'm looking at it. And I'm like, "I wasn't looking for exhaust, you know. I wasn't looking. I wasn't looking. I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm like, <laughs> the only exhaust this looks like is this." Goes back, and then he says, "No picture." I'm looking at it, and I'm like, "That's not the Val. That's not the Valkyrie. That's the wrong bike. That's the wrong bike. Did you upgrade?" Yeah, he was doing pulling a John, keeping the secret, and then, uh, yeah, dropping it on us. So, yep, yeah, yeah, that's cool. It's awesome to see. Congrats, Chris, on that, and can't wait to see it this summer when we get up there. Yeah, that'd be a good time. Um, one other note on the the Riders of Loud Pipes, the clubhouse, if you will. We had a great time this past weekend on our video hangout, and just remind everyone the next one is scheduled for Sunday, April 29th, and we do that at one p.m. Eastern time, if you're not a member, sign up. I won't be in that one. I know, you'll be out riding. No, vacationing with a wife. That's what you call it nowadays. (laughs) All right, we don't really have a U-turn, but we do want to get Joey's eight days a week, even though he can't ride for a few more days yet, but that's okay. We can still build seven things to ride or drive and one to work on plus a birthstone if you're interested. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are we allowed to do cars? I was told ride or drive, so I'm assuming cars. Cars, bikes, boats, we don't care. Unicycles. Right, cool. <laughs> Unicycle didn't make the list. It was, it was number nine, sorry. <laughs> All right, so my number one, I'm a huge Travis Pastrana fan. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Nitro Circus and Travis Pastrana, um, number 199, uh, does all the freestyle stuff and mm-hmm. crazy guy. Uh, so my 
one of my not my number one uh, is his rally car. He's a oh. phenomenal rally driver um, and drives for Subaru uh, World Rally. Oh yeah, and that WRX. that would that would be that would be my number one. My number two, um, while we're on the s- subject of uh, electric bikes, is the Alta Redshift MXR. I can't wait to rip that thing. Nice. Um, I figured I'd throw a boat in there. I'd like to go hang out on uh, Conor McGregor's yacht. I feel like he'd be a good time to hang out with. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, also, thought I'd throw in a uh, a, a plane. I'd like to... Uh, <laughs> Why not have a Lear have a Lear jet? I think that'd be a that'd be a good time. Party in the sky. <laughs> any particular um, one or just any old Lear jet will do? Um any old Lear, Lear jet. I'm not a I'm not a plane um expert, so I don't know. I don't know I'm too well. Um, well but I know they make Rick, good planes. <laughs> well, we have a pilot for you. Awesome. <laughs> Who's that? Uh buddy of ours that went to college with us. Yep, my buddy Jay is a a private pilot. He flies stuff like that all the time. Awesome. When I get my hands on one, uh, I'll let you guys know. Call him up. <laughs> Sweet. Let's see. That's uh, four. So that's four. Um, number five is the 2018 and a half KTM factory edition 450F that I was gloating about earlier. Number six is a trusty old YZ125. And my last one is a 69 Stingray Corvette. Oh, that's what I'm talking about. Got a little nostalgia piece in there. All right. And then project? Project bike would be to shove a KX500 engine into a 2005 RM250 two-stroke frame. An RM250? That's Suzuki? That's correct. Uh-huh. Because that is one of my favorite models of um, two-stroke 250s. Um, what year Suzuki would that be then? 05. 05, okay. That was uh, one of my favorite years watching uh, uh, the greatest of all time, Ricky Carmichael, uh, race that around and uh, just... Fell in love with that bike. Just it, it still looks good to this day. It's one of those bikes that doesn't look like an old school bike. Well, 2005, I'm saying old school. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm going to pin you for one more. So one more. Since you're about to get your license, what? Now the money is no object here. Keep that in mind. What is your ideal road bike? Hmm. Ideal road bike. And will it be a KTM or something else? You know, I'm going to shock you on this one. Oh, let me sit down. All right, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Um, Yamaha. I'm going to say the Honda Africa Twin DCT. Oh, very nice. Okay. Okay. The, the automatic uh, transmission. We actually, um, if you live in the Raleigh-Durham area, feel free to come down to Sport Dares Power Sports because I just uh, made that our our live bike uh, for demos. So if you want to test ride, um, want to see what an automatic transmission motorcycle feels like. Yeah, I um, do. Uh-oh. Come on down. We can set up a test ride. I got, Uh-oh. I got to ride it. I got to ride it the other day. And, uh, man, it, it, it surprised me. Pleasantly surprised me. 
Nice. It was very powerful. It shifts very smoothly. You don't feel it uh, really at all. And uh, me being a motocross guy, I kind of took it into the uh, not not dirt area, but I kind of took it into a, a gravel area and um, put it through some. I, I did some standing up. I did some, uh, mm-hmm. you know, tighter, slower speeds. Kind of um, wanted to see what it did torque wise as far as low end, low speed power. Um, and it, it d- did not disappoint. No, it still has a clutch, right? It just shifts. No, it does, does no not clutch. have a clutch. Okay. It shifts on its own. It does have a sport shift mode where you can shift on your own if you want. It's just push button. Right. Um, but it, it's, it's a seven speed, um, I believe. So true, true dual clutch like a car. True automatic. Hmm. I have to try that out. You guys open on Sunday? No. Unfortunately, no. no Just okay. uh, Monday through Saturday. Monday through Saturday. Okay. Oh, that is right. You guys are open on Mondays now. Yeah. One of the only shops in the area. <laughs> well, only one of the European or Japanese dealers open. Right. Harley's are, Harley's are open. Right. Well, some of them, yeah. But, but service is not open. That's correct. Service is not open. one day. Came over one day, make appointment. They're like, ah, oh, the service is closed. I'm like, what? Yeah. Like, oh, you know, actually, John, we we could use Joey for our spend my money segment. Get well, a, we could get him a road bike. Well, we could <laughs> get some criteria, some uh, some uh, finance limitations, and see what we could find. So you you do know he has a. I didn't tell you this one. While I was there the other day, enjoy. This isn't for Rich, so some somebody else. He has a Victory Cross Country sitting in, at the uh, on the U section there for you. That's not for me. You're saying? Well, no, it's not. Well, I asked Joey some questions about. Oh, that's oh okay, okay. Yep, it's a uh, 2015 uh, 106. Um, don't remember the mileage off the top of my head, but it's a it's a clean bike. Is it Rogue's bike? I'm no, sorry. no, 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 no. It's not. There's a guy that um, that does podcasting here in Raleigh. He has a black one, cross country. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, this one's pearl white. Pearl white. Does that it need the bath though? When I looked at it, it need the bath. Oh yeah, it does. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, this this rain and then the then the pollen on top of that and then oh yeah, it's been it's been fun for us. Lots lots of bike washing. Part of it. Right. Part of the fun. Very nice. Well, I don't know. John, you got anything else? No, I don't have anything else. I'm good. I think time-wise, that's pretty good. Any other, anything else we left out, Joey? Anything else you want to mention event-wise? Of course, you um, obviously have your you dealership want, activities. Yeah, if you want to come out and see me, hang out. Um, I'm always free to talk, talk about bikes, talk about whatever. Um, at Sport Durst Power Sports here in Durham. Um, if you're, if my talking about motocross spikes some interest in you. Um, I'll be at Devil's Ridge this weekend. That's in Sanford. They're on Facebook. They're, you can Google them, Devil's Ridge MX. Um, they're a motocross track that's been around since 1979. Um, a lot of history there. A lot of great racers through the ages uh, have raced there. And uh, this weekend is their North Carolina State Championship race. So there's going to be a lot of g- good racing going on. So if you want to come down, watch some good racing, I'll have our Sport Durst Power Sports tent 
um, up. I have some bikes on display, some parts and good stuff like that. So if you want to check out some motocross racing, um, that's going to be some best in the state. I'll be there. Very nice. No, no, no you're not racing. It must be. I'm not racing this one. Um, Sounds I'm, like I'm gonna work our, I'm going to work the event. Um, but it's, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a fun one, fun one to work. Very nice. All right, John, last call for you. No, I'm good. Thanks, Joey, for coming on. And, you know, it's always great to come in there and harass you while you're working. <laughs> it's been my pleasure, man. Thanks for having me on. Do you guys still have the, the R1M race bike on display? So we don't have the M. Um, we do have the CBR 1000 SP1, um, but we don't have the R1M. Wait, where was that, John, the picture you sent me? It was at, it was at Capital Power Sports. Oh, was it? Sorry, Capital? Joey. Okay. Oh, sorry. Was that wrong place? Schmapital, Schmapital Power Sports somewhere, <laughs> we'll, somewhere we'll, over there in Raleigh. We'll edit that part out. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll go on. Wrong down. dealership. I'll, t- I'll tell you about it later. <laughs> All right. Let me, Probably, yes. let me cover events real quick. Um, this coming weekend, or actually, depending on when you hear this episode, the, the service and memorial ride for Greg McCann is coming up. On the seventh, that's going to be at one p.m. And oh, it's two p.m. I'm sorry, I misspoke. It's two p.m. Okay, for anyone that wants to join, John, where are you all starting? Uh, so we're heading to Raleigh or in Raleigh here at the Sheets at by the airport as a plan, and then we're riding out to Big Daddy's Barbecue or Big Daddy's Burger in Winston Salem and being there by eleven thirty. Okay. Then we have the second annual congregation show, April fourteenth, two through eight p.m. That we hope to be there for. I am. I will be fresh off of a work trip that next day, so I don't know what time we're going to be there, but we're still hoping to be there and, and check that you out. Better be there. I got on my calendar. I'm riding down there. <laughs> right on down, there. my man. Try to be there. I'll I might knock on your door. I might even be here. All right. This is second annual East Coast meetup is going to be June 9th. Um, in Wake Forest, this is for the Moto Amino Dragon Crew, or actually all of Moto Amino, but this is the East Coast meetup. Yep. That will be at that other dealership <laughs> in Durham. <laughs> no, that's in Wake Forest. <laughs> Wake Forest. The third annual Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge will run June 21st through July 11th. Quite a few teams and, and a lot of listeners signed up for that individual challenge. That's going to be hotly contested this year. And on the heels of that, we have our first annual Loud Pipes Meetup in Gettysburg, PA, July 13th and 14th. And we round out the year, well, maybe not our last event, but we round out the year with our trip to the 14th annual Barber Vintage Festival. Clink. That will be October 5th through the 7th. We're not sure yet of our attendance days, but that is the plan. And John and Nobby Tire are going to be heading west once that is over. That is correct. Okay. I would like to again thank the Riders of Loud Pipes for their continued support. If you feel the show is providing some value to you, please visit loudpipes.net slash donate. We do this show as often as we can Thursdays at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, although this week a Sunday evening. Uh, join us at loudpipes.net forward slash live. There's a chat component there. You can interact with us during the show as well as other riders. Follow us on Mixler and you'll be notified as soon as we go live. If you can't support the show monetarily, we certainly understand, but we do ask that you head over to iTunes or Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, something like that, wherever you get your podcast from. Leave us a little rating there or review. 
and it helps us to find other riders, helps the show grow a little bit, and puts some fuel in our tank. If you have some general questions or feedback, you can always reach us on our feedback site or on our website. There's a feedback link there, and you can always email us at feedback at rdubstudios.com. And additional information from this episode, including links and images, can be found on our website, loudpipes.net slash 124. We have links there to leave us feedback, subscribe to the show, follow us on social media, or check out some of the other shows that we do, like the Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge, which is also a podcast unto itself, or the Moto Nobodies, which is doing quite well. So be sure to check them out, motonobodies.com. And just a little programming note and a reminder for next week that we most likely will not be recording an episode. So if you're not seeing a new show in your feed, don't worry. We'll be back the following week. Just everyone is away. Rico is away. I will be out for the spring break. And John is doing some traveling as well. So we will pick it up again the following week. All right, John, let me find the button here. It's over there. My long-winded outro. <laughs> yeah, geez, Louise, you put me asleep over here. <laughs> Kickstands up. Yeah, let's go, Brutus. All right. Thanks again, Joey. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. All right. Good night. Thank you for listening. Please consider supporting the show. We offer generous rewards for your contribution. Find more details at loudpipes.net forward slash donate.